Tom, it's a pleasure. It really is. I'm glad we're able to actually sit down and do this, particularly as I don't really interview authors much. I'm more of the interview music, bands, that kind of thing. So it's a very exciting experience for me to be talking to you about a book. Obviously, I've read and uh, you and your work in general. You don't you don't buy charts to play a musical instrument, do you? Oh, I wish I did. Uh, if you turn my, let's see if I can, you see it over there. I got a guitar in my corner <laughs> that I've had for 21 years. I've never learned to play it. <laughs> uh, the goal is before I'm 60, I learn how to play it. Oh, fantastic. It's there. Oh, lovely, lovely. What kind of music are you into? Uh, mostly guitar, hard rock, progressive, retro, 80s, 90s, 70s, the whole nine yards. Everything from like, you know, the Doors to Typo Negative. Oh, wow. 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 Wide and eclectic taste, as as you should really, considering the, the spate of music that exists in so many genres. Why stick to one, right? Exactly, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so obviously we're here to talk about Delta. But before we get to that, that is, of course, your latest novel out on August 4th. Before we get to that, let's get to know you a little better. Starting with a question, I think that likely every author in the entire world has either had or will get. And it's simply this. When and why did you first decide to pick up a pen? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I, it, it was one of those things where I always assumed I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I was a reader from like day one, like as a little kid, always read books, always read books. So like I would always think, all right, one day I'm going to write a book. One day, one day, one day. And it just never happened. And then um, back in November of 07, I was going through a really difficult period in my life. Nothing made sense. And all of a sudden I got an idea for a book, which was my first book, Two Ways a Sunday, which was completely different from Delta. It's more, it's fiction, but it's religious inspirational. So I wrote that story. And if I had known, like going from like blog posts about the New York Mets in 2006, like little guys to writing a book, you know, it's ridiculous to think that I thought I could do that, but I did. And then I, I liked it and I decided, all right, but I'm not gonna force another one until like the, uh, there's a good idea. So my second one came around in 2013. And then Delta was basically the product of, I've written two books. I've written a movie scripts. I wrote a cartoon that I was putting out for a little while, an animated cartoon. I've done all these things and I've never done a graphic novel. Hmm. So at the end of 2020, like the last weekend, I decided, all right, going into, no, I'm sorry, 2019 going into 2020, um, I'm going to write a graphic novel this year. So I found an artist and we came up with this idea and then he flaked on me and disappeared. And I'm like, well, this is a really good idea. I should probably write this out. And here we are. Oh, okay. So it grew, it started life as a graphic novel idea and it grew into what it is now. So I'll take it the graphic novel idea is still there sitting in your head, uh, like the plan to write a graphic novel. In, in a perfect world, yeah. Like one, I, I love that idea. I'm, I'm not artistic at all. So I need an artist, which is like, I hate that, like having to roll, like, I just can't do it myself. Um, but one day, yeah, if I could, if I could do that, that'd be great. Just to explore that and create that world, that'd be great. Almost sounds like you're kind of bucket listing uh, the, you know, your writing and stuff, particularly, as you say, three different books, three different stories. And I wasn't aware, looking into what I could find out about you online, you know, doing some digging, some dirt, <laughs> where I didn't, was not aware you'd written a film script or the cartoon. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So the film script was a comedy. It's about um, four women that are tired of their families and their kids and their lives. And they get in an RV and they leave. Just, just go, go to Mexico. And their husbands obviously don't want them to leave. So it's like the classic, like, you know, chase across the country. 
Um, so I wrote that, I, I placed in some contests, but not, it didn't really go anywhere. So it's one of those things where if I ever got some stroke in this world, I would definitely want to make that. Um, yeah, just like trying new things, trying to push, see what I'm good at, see what I'm not good at. I, I used to be afraid of failing. That, that word petrified me. I, I didn't want to take a risk because I didn't want to, you know, come up, come up short. And, and then I realized in my thirties, like, what's, what's the point of living if you're not going to take chances. Yeah. So that's why I just keep trying to do different things, figuring the more I do, the more I learn, the more I grow, the better a chance that maybe one day I'm talking to a guy from England and here we are. <laughs> um, it's fascinating to sort of see like see that process, what you've been doing as you've been going on as you've been aging and what you've been learning from uh, your, your life experiences. But, a lot of that, no doubt, will have come from inspirations. Who were some of your earliest inspirations? And do they remain inspirations to this day? You know, that's, that's, a, that's a good question also. Um, I, I would say, like, obviously Stephen King, right? Stephen King is like the be-all and the end-all of any of this horror genre. Mm. He didn't create it, but he did a hell of a job, you know, mainstreaming it. So, you know, seeing him and the way that, like, not all his stories are straightforward horror. There's like, there, there could be a hidden love story in there. He doesn't just write all horror. You know, it, it's a whole, you know, rainbow of, of different, you know, tastes and, and different topics. So like seeing the way he plays with that stuff definitely gave me the encouragement. Like you don't have to just stick to one specific thing and write about that one specific thing. You could take chances and go out in different, you know, branches and see where it goes. Well, yeah, because some of his most successful, King's most successful works, be it uh, books then made into movies, are his non-horror stuff, Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile, things like that. Yep. Uh, even like At Pupil, which doesn't get a lot of love. But like, it, it, he's, he's put in this list of, you know, you're, he's a scary guy, but he's not the scary guy. Yeah. And just like seeing how he navigated a good career writing. You know, I think, I think the, the interesting thing to me was writing good characters right who cares what who cares what the story is classified as hmm. give me a give me a character that i can buy into and believe in whether they're good or evil and let me understand what they're doing and i'll go i'll read any story any genre as long as that character jumps out at me and that's what i, I mean i try to do who knows if i'm doing it but i'm trying to do that i think you i think uh, i think you you have i i do want to talk actually specifically about a character uh, in Delta. we'll get to that a little bit i kind of want to continue what we're on here yeah. What about other media influences then? Because it's obviously naturally as an author, you know, your major influences will come from other writers. But, you know, do you find uh, a lot of what you've done, a lot of what you've worked on comes from TV, movies, you know, comics, that sort of thing? I would say right now, the number one guy is a guy named Noah Hawley, who did, he's written like three or four novels, but he also wrote the show Legion. Okay. And he also wrote the show Fargo. And oh. the, the fact that he's able to write tremendous books. And then he takes, like, I'm, I'm not the biggest comic book fan. Like I know a little bit, but I'm not, I, you know, I'm not an expert on it, but like Legion was an, uh, a Marvel character, mm. right? And he took this character and he made his own world out of it. And he did three seasons and it's the best TV show I've ever watched in my entire life. Mm. Just because it's so different and so daring and it's not your typical A, B, C story. He just goes in wild different places um, so a guy like that, who just, you know, jumps into different things, books, TV shows, it, it I, I like the idea of just going where you want to go. And, and again, not being limited to what you think you not being limited into the box you think you need to be in and just jumping around different areas. 
You keep and then in comedy, oh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. In comedy, if I can meet Trey Parker and Matt Stone from South Park, that would that'd be the only, I think those are the only two people in the world where I would fangirl. Um, just because, again, they're so smart hmm. and their comedy is so good and they've been around for 25 years and they're still creating great stuff. And again, not being put in a box, doing what they want to do. I think that's a theme of my entire life, just following guys like that and women like that that just do what they want to do. It's really hard though, isn't it? I mean, it's a great statement. It's a great sentiment to have and to try and push yourself towards, but actively doing that. And as you said before, taking those risks, I, I feel like majority of people just don't. Oh yeah, well, I mean, it's easier for me right now as a guy who doesn't have a big name in the world. Hmm. I'm not beholden to somebody who's gonna make money off of me that says you have to write this genre because we need you to make this money. Hmm. And that's why like, I love bands that, you know, not necessarily... I love bands that take chances and that their next album is com something completely different just because like, all right, you could crash and burn on that, but you felt that you, you, that music spoke to you and you wanted to put it out regardless of how you think it'll be received. And I love bands that do that. No, absolutely. I agree. Big fan of that as well. It, I am super supportive of the idea of uh, it, as you said, if it's going to crash and burn uh, with the fan base, so be it. But hell, if you did something that you wanted to do and love doing it, then how can you not support that? Exactly, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it seems so simple. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's, it's easy for me to say this as a guy who has not exploded. It, you know, 10 years from now, if, I, if God willing, you know, Delta becomes a huge hit, mm. you know, maybe I'm stuck in that world. But again, I, just keeping perspective that you don't have to do anything. You know, you, there's consequences, but as long as you're cool with the consequences, then go for it. Yeah, yeah. And I think as well, it's it's more of pointing out that like and using Stephen King example, if you are going to stick in one, say, specific genre as a writer, that genre is quite wide and open. Often, say horror, for example, there's a lot you can do with it. It's still a lot of originality, originality to be found. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what were some of your earliest successes that you can kind of think of and how did they shape the writer you have become? I mean, I don't have like like a, a trophy case full of awards and stuff. That's, that's not, <laughs> that has not been my career so far. But the nice thing is in the two books I put out so far, mm. you know, obviously they didn't, they didn't go anywhere. But the people who read them that are not family and friends, people who don't know me, responded well to it. And I, I love the idea that, you know, I was able to create something that, you know, I got good reviews on and good compliments on. Um, but I can't say here and, and say, well, all right, I finished second place in that, that the movie scripts. It was called Operation Cinnamon. I finished second place in some, you know, movie contest or whatever, script contest. But other than that, I mean, I'm just a guy plugging along, um, just trying to make a name. Well, on a more personal level then, not necessarily success that uh, is measured with a trophy or an award, but on a personal sort of, you felt like you achieved something for yourself. Oh, I, I, I mean... This is going to sound, this, it's not a cop-out answer. It's, it's going to sound abstract, but like, I am proud of the life that I've lived and the choices that I've made. I've done a lot of zigzagging and doing things career-wise, relationship-wise, whatever it may be. I've done things that were difficult, hmm. but they wound up being the right choices. And so like, I take personal satisfaction in, like my resume is long because I've tried all these different jobs. But I, I feel, again, it's, it's so boring. Like you're alive for maybe 80 years. Maybe 80 years. Maybe you've got 40 good years from the 20 to 60 where you can really do stuff in life. So why would you want to waste it on something that doesn't really like stimulate you, that doesn't make you like feel something? 
I feel like if you don't have passion, then you can't do the job. And once I feel like I've lost passion in that job, it's time to move on, time to go somewhere else. I don't know if that answered your question, but it, it was an answer. No, no, I, I, I think uh, what you're saying completely makes sense as well. It is, as we've gone back to the same sort of subject line, it's very, very difficult to, for most people to kind of envision that idea, particularly when it comes to changing jobs, particularly when you've got responsibilities and family, and I think they kind of hold people back. Um, so I completely understand what you're saying. The fact you were been able to do that, it's the greatest success. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's freeing. It's like, I, I, I never want to feel stuck. Mm. You know, like, again, like life is so short, you could die tomorrow. Why would you want to feel stuck in a spot you're not enjoying? You know, so I, I just try to keep that philosophy in my head. Like, you, you we're around for a short period of time, do what you want to do, make an impact on what you want to make, like, make an impact on. Awesome. Well, what about, um, what about then in regards to your writing? What about some of your failures? And how did you overcome those stumbling blocks? Yeah, um, I mean, I've got a litany of like Microsoft Word documents of stories I thought were going to go somewhere and they did not. <laughs> and it's, I, I think I've just learned, like, I, I think it's, there's, a, there's a good thing about following through and finishing a task. Yeah. But I think it's also equally important that you're allowed to give up. Like giving up is not a bad thing. Again, if it's not bringing you where you want to go. So like there was one story I was writing for like five years on and off, on and off. And I cannot crack this story. And I know maybe one day I will. And I just keep trying to go back to it. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it's not working. So like knowing when to put something aside and try something else. And knowing also if you're like, if I'm, when I'm working on that story, a lot of times I get an idea for something else because my head is not, it's, it, my thoughts aren't, are like all over the place. So I might get a random thought that, oh, I could use this somewhere else. And I'll put that down. And that, that was like my, my second, my second book, Growth and Change Are Highly Overrated. That came from a, a failed project where I just couldn't make work, but I liked the character. I'm like, oh, I could use this. And, you know, there we go. So a constant slew of threads that effectively, when you get the feel, you will pull on one and see if it uh, unwinds. Yeah, I mean, it's very rare where like genius is going to strike and you're going to wake up in the middle of the night going, I got the entire book. Yeah. I've got 250 pages. It's perfect. I got the ending. I got the beginning. You know, it, it, it doesn't happen. It's, it's about sitting down and putting the work in and, and just plowing through and doing it and, uh, you know, and keeping your mind open to the idea that if it doesn't work, you can still use things and you can still go somewhere else. And yeah. You did kind of mention that. I'll lead into that. What, what about some of your processes? Because um, obviously everybody's a bit different. Do you find that, all right, you set some time aside and you're going to sit down and you're going to see what comes out? Are you the kind of person that has a notepad by the bed for the middle of the night? Are you the type of person that gets your best ideas on the toilet? That sort of thing. All right. So it used to be the pad, but now iPhones, you know, it's got the notepad feature. So my phone's next to me and in the middle of the night, I'll wake up and I'll jot something down. And sometimes it makes perfect sense when I wake up and other times I'm like, what, wait, can I curse? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. What the fuck am I reading right there? You know, like, <laughs> so like, so, sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, the shower is huge. I, I, I have my phone. There's been several times I've run out of the shower to write something down because just sitting there where you have nothing to do, but think mm. is like, I, like the best ideas for me come in the shower. And then when it's time to write, I like, I'm not until like, I'm more just sitting down and just doing it. Like, all right, for the next half hour, I'm going to sit in this chair 
And whether I get five words or 500 words or a thousand words, I'm going to put the work in and do this for the next half hour. And, you know, I'll, I'll have like a YouTube playlist because I, I, for whatever reason, when I'm writing, I love live performances. Okay. Because um, music is something that I can't do. And I, I just, just the idea that someone can hear a melody in their head and then make it come alive and then have lyrics to put to that, that can make people like scream and cry and get a, like a visceral reaction. It's just, I, I'm so jealous of somebody who can get on stage and do that. So like live performances where you can see the, the lead singer and the drummer and everyone's like, you know, feeling it. I, that gives me inspiration. Mm. So I'll try to like, like for Delta, um, um, oh, sure, what's, what's the song? Uh, it was by Rainbow. Uh, there was a song, um, I'm blanking right now, about the wizard. Do you know it? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I found like an 18 minute live version of that song. Okay, yeah. not, so I can't remember the title. And I would just play that over and over during that writing process. And between just sitting here and doing the work and hearing the live performance of the song, that just puts me in the right state of, state of mind to do something. Whether it's good or not, when it's all over, different story, but at least I'm getting it done. Is it like- Oh, Stargazer. It's, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Rainbow, Stargazer. That Stargazer oh. for me, Delta, the, like the through line, that song is playing in the back of my head. Is it because of the live experience, live listening, the live experience, that kind of thing? Is it, is it because you can hear like the swell of a crowd? You can hear those sort of detail that obviously on a produced album you don't get. Yeah, it's the, it's the emotion. It's like I want my book. I want people who read my stuff to feel something, whether, yeah. you know, indifference is the worst thing in the entire world. If it, it, the worst case scenario is someone reads my book and then never thinks about it ever again. Right. Obviously, I, I want you to love it. But even if you hate it. Yeah, you know, you've, you've, you've read it, you felt something. There's a reason why you hate it. It's in your head that, that, that to me, that's a good thing still. And live music, provoking that emotion, that visceral reaction, seeing, you know, the crowd's reaction, people singing along, it's triggering something in their heads. It's like a, this communion of, of something that makes us all come together and produces good content. Do you find the time to go to uh, many live shows yourself? Before COVID? Yeah, I tried to. After COVID, not so much, but yeah, like, you know, back in, back in the regular times. Yes, absolutely. And especially when I was single, you know, I try to, I lived in Staten Island, I lived in Long Island. So like Manhattan was like a quick car ride away or a bus ride away. So I try to do that stuff. Yeah. Of course. Yes. The de dreaded C word. Um, how have you coped over the last couple of years? Have you been doing okay? Oh, I mean, listen, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to sit here and say it was good because obviously people died. People got very sick. Yep. But for me personally, I was able to work from home. Uh, my wife got pregnant at the start of COVID. I was able to be here the entire time of her pregnancy. My kid is now, you know, a year and a half. I've been able to see her grow up in that, you know, in the 18 months being here. So putting aside the horribleness of what people have gone through selfishly, personally, being able to be at home and have these experiences that I wouldn't normally have working nine to five, five days a week missing her. I, I mean, I, Jesus, I, I mean, I consider myself in a world full of shit that's going on right now. Very fortunate in that respect. Any positives that can be gleaned from the last few years are always glorious to hear about it on an individual, individual level uh, more than anything else. There's almost a guilt complex. I think it goes along with the idea that, okay, look, I didn't have such a bad time, but we all, we know the, the world effectively did and still is to a lot of degree. Um, it's something that I ask almost everybody we interview, from the bands to the horror movie writers and directors and stuff like that, because it's dominated 
life for nearly well three years uh so it's always nice to hear those positive stories um congratulations on the child absolutely amazing oh, thank you yeah yeah I, I think you put it perfectly like it is guilt knowing that there are people that are having horrible life-changing experiences and here i am la 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 sitting right in my book seeing my kid seeing my wife seeing my dog you know so yeah there, there's a lot of guilt with that but like at the same time like i just try to appreciate you know I understand that I am fortunate, understanding other people aren't, and just trying to do good with that. Like trying to be a great dad, trying to be a great husband, you know, make, trying to make the best of the good opportunity that I've been given. Well, absolutely. And hopefully your good experience will have some effect, as you said before, talking about making people feel because uh, Delta is a product of this period as much as anything else, giving you the time to work on it. Obviously a horror story, but I don't love that I have to categorize as a horror story exclusively because there's a far more detail going on. And uh, I think when you say horror story, sometimes in general, it kind of conjures up an image. It's like, no, no, what about the drama? What about this? What about that? And stuff like that. Now you've kind of mentioned how Delta started life, what it started life uh, as, the graphic novel idea. But that idea and how the story ended up becoming what it is. Um, tell us how that formed. All right, so do you watch a Twilight Zone? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, do you remember the episode, The Howling Man? Of course, absolutely. Okay, so, so the story isn't based on The Howling Man, which is a story of a guy who goes to a monastery and there's a prisoner in a cell begging him, he's being tortured, please release me, please release me. And this poor guy's like, oh my God, I, you know, the brothers are keeping you hostage, I've got to let you go. Meanwhile, the guy in the cell is Satan, hey, let's, you know, let the devil loose on the world and the world goes to shit, yada, yada. So I, I love that story, just the, you know, a good person with good intentions and shit going wrong based off of your good intentions. So that was like, like just the, all right, I love that feeling and that the thought of people trying to do good and what can come of that. So that's where like the germ was. And then, I mean, I was, again, I was fortunate that I started writing it January of 20. Yep. We got pregnant March of 20. So like, all of a sudden, the, the, the abstract idea of being a dad and like trying to harness those emotions, now I have something real to, to lean on. And like, this is, this is real for me. So between becoming a first-time dad, between becoming, you know, between the story of the Howling Man, um, you know, putting those two things together. And then originally, after like seven or eight months, I thought I finished and I gave it to my wife and my wife was like, no. I'm like, wait, what, what, what's going on? She goes, no, your ending sucks. Like, what? what? <laughs> and she's like, no, you, 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 you didn't get the ending right. And I went back on, like, oh. and I changed, like, she gave me great advice and I changed taking what she said. I, I made some alterations and that unlocked the entire story. So now what was originally like, not a basic story, but like a, an easy story now, because I changed it, I had all these different other paths that I can explore in the book, which made the book larger but I don't think it slowed down the plot. I think it just enhanced. I mean, you could tell me that, you know, and I won't take it personally, but I think it enhanced the story rather than took away from the story. I'm smiling because that is really, really interesting. So, I mean, I'm going to try and dance my way around spoilers because I'll yeah. read uh, the book uh, for themselves and make up their own mind. But if you do want to read my thoughts, go to the, to the website and you'll read it over there. I loved it. And, um, the ending in particular uh, was a real, real feeling point for me. Now you said it was something different. That fascinates me because I'm thinking you pretty much nailed it how I think it should have gone. 
Um, what what was the original ending like then? Was it darker? Was it lighter? It it, it was. It was some of the characters had different motivation. I, I feel like if, if I say what it was, it's going to give away the entire book. So I'll just say in a general sense, a couple of main characters were not the main characters you'll read in the story. It was their motivations and their thought process were completely different. So good guys were bad guys, bad guys were good guys, and it didn't work. And in reading it over, I'm like, oh, I, I wrote a story. Yeah, but it, there's nothing here. And then once I did some manipulations and changed outlooks and perspectives on main characters and how they were reacting to certain things, that unlocked the whole thing. So thank God for my wife telling me. My, I call my wife the sledgehammer of, of brutal honesty. She, in the, in the eight years I know her, she's been, in a good way, my most harsh critic yep. in terms of like, she, she'll, whether it's what I'm wearing or what I'm writing or anything in between, she's going to let me know so I don't look dumb. So I don't do something bad. So thank God she said that to me. Otherwise, you would have read this and you would be like, nah, it was all right. Well, what's the saying behind every great man is a greater woman? That completely makes sense as well, because ultimately people around you, your loved ones, your family and friends often might placate you with, uh, you know, complimentary words because they want to hurt your feelings when they don't particularly like it. A harsh critic that close to you, I think is uh, incredibly encouraging. Oh God, if, if you don't have someone who can cut the bullshit yeah, and be yeah. direct with you, if you're, if whether, whether it's writing music, whatever it may be, if you're doing something creative, if you can't trust the person reading it, then you're screwed. I don't know how you become something better because you need real feedback. You don't, I, like, I don't need someone blowing smoke and saying, oh my God, that was the best thing ever. Oh my God. And then they walk away like, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, And now here I am thinking what I did is perfect and I put it out in the world and pfft, nothing. If you, you desperately need, you whether it's a significant other, a friend, whoever it may be, you need that person. I, I, and I, I think for me, like if I'm being totally honest, like I'm guilty of that in my real life or I used to be before I met her. Like I would tell people what they want to hear because I don't want to hurt their feelings. Mm. And now I've realized how big a disservice that was to people because I'm not helping them. I'm confining them. I'm keeping them from elevating to where they need to be. So yeah, thank you know, if anybody listening right now, be brutal, you know, don't be mean about it, but you know, be honest with what your feedback is. Yeah, there's there's a fine line between honesty and rudeness, and it's uh, not that difficult to get it right. So I read Delta, what, it was probably over a month ago now. And uh, I tend to move on quite quickly when it comes to all um, things. I have to, because I'm a reviewer. So if yeah. I listen to an album I loved, I next, an hour later, I have to listen to another one. The same with a book. I finish one book and it's time to pick up another. Um, any book that stays with me a couple of weeks and I can still remember all the beats and points and stuff to me is a very, very good sign. There's very much the case with Delta. And one of the things that I was thinking about when I was writing my questions for you was about the challenges that you might have had to overcome in regards to plot points and writing uh, styles within the story. Now, I had a little think out loud and I tried to pull out some that I think might have been difficult. You can tell me if I'm right or wrong and then tell me what it was, if any at all. The first one is Jason, the lead character, and uh, making him likeable considering the situation he is in and uh, how that story develops, because ultimately the shades of grey leave you 
leave you unsure for quite a long period of time in that, but ends up being a character that I found I cared a lot about, which, as you said yourself, is so, so important in all media. And the other one is the subtle nods to racial issues and tensions, something I imagine that only you'd have to have a picked and perfected a way at. Am I, am I on the right paths? No, you, you, you nailed both. I'll, I'll do the racial stuff first. Hmm. So I'm a white guy, right? I'm, 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 a, I'm a white guy in 2022. So I am in no way qualified to comment on race. Yeah. All I can think about is, you know, like, if I, if, if, I mean, how do I do this without preaching? Yeah. How do I do this without being insulting? Because again, like, it's one thing for me to imagine what it's like. It's another thing for someone who is African-American to read the story and to think I'm being patronized and condescending. So I, I wanted to give respect to it without bashing someone's head over it. And I think that's for a lot of, for a lot of instances and a lot of conversations I've had, it's the subtleties that are the worst. It's the, you know, not the overt, you know, using of, of horrible words, mm. but it's the condensation. It's the, you know, the subtle look down. And I, I, I try to lean into that more. And so if people picked up on it, great you're, you're getting what i'm laying down if you if you don't pick up on it i mean i'm, I'm sorry you know you're, you're missing a part of the story but like i i, I wanted to really tread carefully because you're you're right it, 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 there were times where it was like i'm either leaning too far into it or i'm going so far away from it that now it's it, what's what am i doing so trying to stay in that middle zone of being respectful being honest and trying to like get into someone's skin and and picking up on that, 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 that was my, my goal. If I nailed it, you know, I appreciate the kind of words. Hopefully other people think that also, yeah. uh, if not, you know, I take ownership of it since I wrote it. Um, and then with Jason, yeah, like I, I, in one of the first drafts, he was whiny and who wants to read a whiny guy who wants to read a, what was me guy? Like you could be sad, but to, to, to pick up a book and invest for some people, you know, a week, some people, three weeks or a month, and someone that you're like, eh, what, what, stop whining, just live your, like, yeah, I, I need him to be strong, like, I need him to be sad, but he had to be strong enough to stand on his own, and to make, to make his choices, and to validate his choices, and to, you know, to make sure that, you know, again, making people respond favorably to a character that you're not sure, is he a good guy, is he a bad guy, what, what, what is this, and at the same time, not being too ambiguous, we're like, I, I hate stories that try to do the twist just yeah. for the twist, right? Where it's like, oh, you know, what's going on here? I'm going to drag this out and give you a shitty ending. But I fooled you. I didn't want that. I wanted people to like, when you're reading it, you're like, all right, I think this is where it's going to go. And if it doesn't, you're surprised in a good way. Or if, if you're like, I nailed it. It wasn't like you're like, oh, I saw that coming a mile away. It was like, oh, I saw it coming in a good way. Yeah, it's that growing suspicions, that feeling of, okay, I feel, like I said, I, I'm connecting the dots here and I'm getting the bigger picture. I just need perhaps some some other piece of the puzzle to fully understand that. And maybe it won't look quite like I had envisioned, but uh, it's still going to look lovely, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Part of um, the most, for me, the thing that kind of drew me into Delta was in the main narrative, the the depth the, it's very compelling stuff and the detail that is revealed step by step that's the stuff that hooks me as i don't want everything explained to me but i also want the story to be told in a concise way and obviously dealt with jumps around in time 
that there alone was a big deal for me because that to me made the characters feel more real uh, than anything else. As the story goes on, when you start to not overtly detail backstories, we're going back to childhoods and all that, but in, in regards to the Delta story, did you find as you wrote these parts, particularly the time jumps and going back to stuff that happened when characters were younger, that that made them more real and clearer to you? Oh yeah, like, like when, when I first started writing in general, I was, expo- you know, I would just dump backstory on people and it's boring. Like you think you're doing a good thing, but I don't need to read about, you know, the first 20 years of your life and, you know, who was your history teacher in seventh grade and who this girlfriend was. It's boring stuff. So I have learned as time has gone on, instead of dumping backstory, give moments, give the emotion, and that can fill in all the history that you need. So, and at, when I first started writing, I had a, like the whiteboard's right over there. I had a, I had a whiteboard, right? Where it's like, here is where I think the story is going to go. And then after my wife told me it sucks, change the ending, I, I do a lot of racing, which kind of freed me up because now I wasn't beholden to like, I did this chapter, I did this chapter, I did this backstory, I did that backstory. Now it's kind of like, it's kind of, again, I'm not a musician, but like it's kind of what I think jazz is or what a good like, you know, jam session is where you just listen to what your, your, your fellow bandmates are doing and go off from there. Mm. So I'm just trying to listen to the story and like all of a sudden like, hmm, like if I talked about you know, Jason and, you know, and Beth's, you know, how they met, you know, it could be boring, but if I give like a story behind it, no, oh, all right, now it kind of ties in, you know, the depths of their friendship and the depths of their love. And, and so, yeah, like trying to create enough emotions so that way you buy more and more into the people that you're reading. I don't know if I answered your question, but I think I did. No, I think you did as well. Only, um, I like my interviews to be more or less Q&A and more let uh, the person yourself in this regard uh, talk and tell us what you're thinking. Ultimately, that's the most interesting thing. People are hopefully want to listen to you. I'm just a mug in England asking <laughs> questions. Of course, I said we're dancing heavily around spoiling anything for you. And I'm going to continue to do this, but Delta obviously has a ton of mystery about it. And it makes a contained story incredibly large. And I think that's really important. This is some world building that goes on here. Now, were you mindful of obviously paying all of this off, but leaving room for expansion, but also the reader's imagination to fill in some blanks? Because that's like my favorite thing, being allowed to kind of make up my own mind at certain things. Yeah, and again, I was guilty of that when I, when I first started writing in general. Like, I'm going to give you everything. And you can't make any decisions for yourself. And I've learned, again, what you just said. People don't, you want, you have, like, I wrote it, but now it belongs to you. Hmm. you it, the story now belongs to you. You've got, you know, you know what, they, what they look like in your head. You've got your own opinions on certain things. And that's awesome. I, I'm, I'm so happy I, I, can, I can give that and, and it works. Um, so yeah, I wanted to write a self-contained story where, you know, it's, it's a good story beginning to end. But also as I was writing and I'm starting to meet, so pretentious, but it starting to meet different characters in the town where I'm like, oh, all right, so that's a thread. And that's a thread. And I can just leave those dangling right there. So that way in the future, if I ever want to write a sequel, I can, I have so much to play with. But if I don't, I, I like the idea that, you know, all these people now live in the story and you and anybody else who reads it has their own opinions and thoughts and 
where things are. And yeah, that that's, oh, I love that. And again, I was so guilty in the beginning of my life of just, I've got to, I'm in charge. I wrote it. I'm giving you the information. I'm like, nope, that's dumb. You're in charge. The reader is in charge. I'm just giving you a story. Because again, it's a balancing act. Because if you go too vague and don't answer enough questions, that can be a frustrating experience too. Oh yeah, then you're wasting it. Then it's like, what are you reading a story for? Like, if like a certain amount of mystery is good, mm-hmm. if the whole book's mysterious, it's like, ah, oh, all right. Uh, again, you're not gonna feel anything. You're gonna feel frustrated. And yeah. no one wants frustrated. No, that's the last thing uh, anyone should want. And that, I mean, you said it already. I think, I think like Delta deserves a sequel, but I also agree with what you're saying. I don't necessarily think it needs one unless years down the line or whatever you're ready, you feel like you're ready to go with that again. That would be awesome. But it is its own story and can happily sit there if you do decide to then write, a, I don't know, a horror comedy next time or something completely different. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of, I, I never want to write something just to write something. If, yeah. if there's no feeling behind it, if it's just a cash grab or whatever it may be, then it's like, eh. But if there's a good story behind it, different story. Mm. Can I say the word story enough in this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> oh, as well, I mean, the old expansion ideas as well and uh, your creative, creative side. Would you, would, I don't want to say would you consider, because of course I think you'd consider this, but the idea of uh, a low budget because of money, um, an adaption into like a movie and stuff like that. Oh my crazy. God. The, the idea of, I mean, that, that's, that's a perfect world where like, I, even if I don't write it, even, even if I give it to somebody mm-hmm. and someone puts their interpretation on it, I'm just, just to see what, what other people, you know, could come out of it. I, I, I would love that. I would love to just one day, whether it's on, you know, the big screen or like Amazon streaming for one ninety nine, and it's you know, like got 14% on Rotten Tomatoes, whatever it may be. Just the idea, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've talked about some massive, massive, massive authors, Stephen King, for example. Look how many adaptions are so poorly received, so awful in quality and content for such a successful writer. Um, if it's for $1.99 on Amazon and it's got low scores on Rotten Tomatoes, it doesn't mean anything. One of my favorite authors is a British guy called David Moody. Have you heard of him? I haven't. Oh, okay. He, writes, he wrote the Autumn series, which is a zombie series and a hater and stuff like that. And uh, very early on, uh, his Autumn series was adapted into a movie. And it's considered one of the worst things for such a great author, you know? Uh, I just, sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it, it translates and sometimes it doesn't. But like, regardless, it's like, wow, something I wrote, people are watching, that, that would blow my lines. That would be whatever, good or bad. It's just still the idea of that. It's just, you know, wow. The reason why I kind of brought it up is because I don't think it's such a pipe dream anymore, particularly if you um, are, well, as you've previously written a script yourself, because these days you can make movies in a very, very cheap, simplified fashion and get it on streaming sites for low prices as well. Um, and as a horror movie watcher and writer, reviewer, um, I see so many low budget, like no budgets, we tend to call them, where a thousand pounds has been spent on the entire film that do incredible stuff. Yeah, okay, you can say it's not going to hit it with a big audience and it's not going to, it's not comparing to a Marvel cinematic movie, of course not, but wow, bravo, that movie and those people involved for doing something with such little. It doesn't seem impossible anymore. And also, I like, I like the low budget guys versus the big CGI. Like CGI is so lazy now in some respects. It's like, all right, you know, you can do all these bells and whistles, but you have no story behind it. it all it is is special effects. 
So, you know, if, if anyone listening <laughs> wants to take this story and do something with it, please reach out. I'd love to write with you or just, you know, just watch what you could do with it. Absolutely. I, I bet I'm, I'm dropping massive hints. When you, when you get around to this uh, script writing and deciding you're going to make this, come back to us. We'll help finance it. Well, we'll get oh, over there. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best and uh, worst thing about being a published author? Oh, there's no bad thing. There's not, there's literally, I mean, compare, you know, there's so many shit jobs out there in this world. And this is not my primary job, but this, the idea that I have, you know, time in my day where I get sit down and, and just, and just create is it's, it's the most freeing thing ever. So there's no negatives. And the best thing is when people I don't know, such as yourself, you know, enjoy what I wrote and take the time to talk with me about it. That that's like, it's, it's, it's like it's it's be, it's two clicks above flattering where it's like wow like I, I can't believe that something I did in my basement you know is now being you know read in by someone I've never met in England that's that's I, I can't I can't comprehend that sometimes so yeah there's no negatives all positives love that I love that well thank you for sending the book over ultimately is that um because of the, the website's title uh, the the fact that we read and review books tends to sometimes get forgotten about but not just myself some of the other writers are avid avid readers I swear uh, do you know Terry Pratchett yeah absolutely yeah he's he's my hero he well, he's my hero that's it my well you can just see it my entire arm is tattooed in his work and one entire bookcase behind that uh, pole flag is all his work. So it's the kind of forgotten aspect that we adore reading. And I love reading and I always want to find new stories. So uh, thank you for sending it over. Oh, I, I, listen, like, I'm not going to say I knew your site before, mm -hmm. you know, I wrote this, but in researching and trying to find, you know, the right places to contact, I saw your site. I'm like, oh my God, this is, so now like it's been bookmarked and I'm a regular guy with you. So yeah, you make great contents. Thank you. Thank you. We're a small fry in the grand scheme of things, but we, we, we enjoy it. You know, as you said yourself, we enjoy it. It challenges and it uh, keeps us busy and out of trouble when uh, nothing else is going on in this country. Tom, I've got one more for you. And it's really a line that's used, obviously, in the book. And it's kind of something I wondered uh, if it was a mantra for yourself. The universe has a plan independent from the wants of man. Uh, nice little rhyme there. Is that something you personally believe? Eh, I, I, I think some people really try to find meaning where there's no meaning. And I find that the people who think they're the deepest and most philosophical are oftentimes full of shit. Mm. So like, so when I, when I came up with them, Oh, that's, that's really good for the character. You know, you know, I've got a cult in the story and that's the cult's main line. And I love the idea. There, there are so, there are so many people looking for meaning in this world and they're not happy with their lives. They're not happy with their choices, they want to blame everything. So they're looking for answers. And sometimes the worst people in the world have the best answers to your ear. Yeah. So I love the idea of giving a simple mantra to some horrible person and having people go, oh, that's, that's it. That's what I'm looking for. And I mean, this isn't part of your question, but like, I, I don't know, like I, I also like watch wrestling and there's a, a wrestler from like a long time ago named Mick Foley in the 90s, he was a bad guy. And he said the best bad guy is someone who believes in what they're doing. There's, there's a percentage of truth in what they're saying and doing because no one's really a cartoon character in real life. Everyone believes they're the hero. So I try to infuse the bad people in my story with like enough believability in their head that they're doing the right thing. 
So giving them a line like that, you know, is justifying what they're doing. And if you could justify what you're doing, you could do horrible, horrible shit in this world. So that, that's where the line comes from. I loved it because uh, particularly where who who and uh, what it comes from. Ultimately, um, I I completely relate to exactly what you're saying. My head starts to swim with uh, real life mantras and uh, um, what's the word uh, slogans that are spoken by politicians and that and those people can often be quite villainous in their own right and it kind of ties and feels very very and there's almost a cultish behavior uh, thought process. Not just the way you are, but you know, over in this country, you know, oh. heard of Brexit and stuff like that. That is a cult in itself, with its own mantras and stuff like that. It is an extreme difference, of course. We are comparing it to uh, your make-believe story cult in that aspect, <laughs> but it completely makes sense to me, and I find it disturbing almost that it's setting that sort of line will give people hope and you know, want to kind of be part of that, but don't really, the, 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 the reasoning is villainous. Yeah, and George Carlin had a great line where he loves people, he hates groups. And, you know, when you get groups, you get slogans and you get chants and you get bad shit. And that's why I tried to keep that in mind when I was writing the story, you know, some, again, people who come together, sometimes they're coming together for a good idea when it's really, you know, not so much and it's going to hurt people around them. Like it hurt people. My my story. It is an amazing story. August fourth. Uh, it's a little while away um, for release, but it's it's going to come around soon. Days just tick on by. Um, it's Delta. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Oh my God! Thank you so much for having me. This is I, again like I'm I'm really flattered when people like my stuff and when you extended the invitation to come out here and talk about it. Made my entire day. So. I've been counting down the hours to sit down with you and I can't wait to see this you know, when it's released. Thank you very much for watching. You can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Tumblr. Go to Patreon to help us out over there. That's patreon.com forward slash gbhbl as well as Big Cartel where you can find some of our merchandise. We have a podcast running on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you like this video, do us a favour, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. Games, horror and heavy metal, what else is life for?